Welcome to Ben Davis Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Davis, and I'm excited to have a conversation with you about one of my favorite things in the world, movies. This is our review show over here at Ben Davis Movie Podcast, and this is actually the return episode after a long hiatus and a random special episode where I just gave you guys my quick thoughts on a bunch of stuff that I had seen rather than an actual full review. Uh, I've missed being able to properly uh, do this as it's always exciting to share my thoughts with you guys on new releases whether it's a good movie or a bad movie any day I get to go see a new movie and have the privilege to share my thoughts with y'all on it I consider it time well spent uh, this week we have some exciting movies to talk about we have the Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt led adventure film Jungle Cruise we have the Matt Damon drama Stillwater the uh, epic A24 Arthurian Tale the Green Knight, and lastly, we have the most or one of the most anticipated movies of the year, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. This is a awesome lineup, and I could not have asked for a better return show rather than to cover all these films. Um, so now that I got you all all up to speed, let's get started. Um, we're gonna start off with Jungle Cruise. Uh, this is the latest theme park to big screen adaptation from Disney. And it stars Emily Blunt as Dr. Lily Howington as she enlists the dad joke cracking skipper Frank Wolf, played by Dwayne Johnson, to take her down the Amazon in search for an ancient tree that holds a power to heal, a power that could change the future of medicine forever. Disney had tried to adapt movies based on some of their biggest attractions at their theme parks in the past, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean being the best one and most notable one. Uh, for me, and the rest kind of being, you know, either bad or having mixed results for me. I've always been a, a big fan of Emily Blunt, especially when she's in action roles like this. Her physicality is always so believable, as she just has this presence and confidence in them that really make it fun to watch, you know, whenever she does action. Edge of Tomorrow, Live, Die, Repeat, whatever you want to call it, is is the, the uh, prime example of this. She's just, she's excellent. Um, and as stated before on this podcast, I'm a huge fan of Dwayne Johnson, a.k.a. The Rock. He's one of my favorite action stars working today and happens to be the biggest star in the world. He's such a hardworking and likable actor and always brings charm and charisma to each project he does. Uh, Jermaine Collette Sierra is the director of Jungle Cruise. He's known for directing horror films like House of Wax and The Orphan, and then you have a bunch of Liam Neeson action movies like Unknown, Nonstop, Run All Night, and The Commuter. He's a bit hit and miss with me with his resume, but he's a guy who is at the very least a consistent filmmaker. I actually really enjoyed his, uh, his movie that he did with uh, Blake Lively, The Shadows. It's that shark movie that came out a couple years ago, and... Uh, I'm highly anticipating his next project, which he's actually teaming with The Rock for, Black Adam. But back to Jungle Cruise, taking all that into consideration, does Jungle Cruise reach the heights of movies like Pirates of the Caribbean, or does it kind of sink to the bottom of the river like Haunted Mansion? Uh, when Jungle Cruise doesn't, uh, doesn't really capture lightning in the bottle like Pirates, it's still one heck of a good time. It manages to be charming, witty, hilarious, and chuck full of big, big action set pieces that really harkens back to you know movies like The Mummy, 1999's Mummy, not the other one that came out a few years ago. Uh, the Rock is fantastic as Frank Wolf, too. He's always 
again, he's incredibly likable, but here they aren't afraid to make his character a bit of a jerk sometimes. Uh, I really enjoyed that aspect of the character and that he's always looking out for himself as it felt a change of pace for the type of characters that he, he usually plays. I also enjoyed the shtick with the, the dad jokes that he does, as I honestly, like, those could have fallen flat if they were from anybody else, but each one managed to make me laugh, and it's because of the way The Rock delivers them. They're just, they're funny. Uh, Emily Blunt, of course, as always, was amazing here. She's, you know, not a damsel in distress like so many others in films of this nature, uh, but someone who can handle herself in her own business. She's charming, witty, and goes toe-to-toe with the most charismatic man in Hollywood and does more than hold her own. Uh, the chemistry between The Rock and Emily Blunt is is really what makes this film sell past some of its slower, repetitive beats we've seen before. Uh, on paper, I don't I didn't know if I would really buy their chemistry together because they feel kind of like an odd couple. But man, it was it was great. Uh, I bought their romantic tension and uh, with each other um, completely and. I hope this isn't the last time we see them team up, as I thought they were fantastic together. Um, other standouts to me were Jack Whitehall as uh, McGregor uh, Hugh, uh, Howington, I think that's how you say it, the younger brother um, and slash reluctant assistant of uh, Emily Blunt's character. He's really funny in a role that has in the past been very annoying in the wrong hands. He also adds a layer of representation that doesn't really get explored in movies like this. It's a nice touch. Also, Jesse Plemons as you know one of our the, one of our main villains. Uh, it's Prince Joaquin. He's he's just chewing up the screen in the best possible way, and 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 just you can tell he's having a ball doing so. Uh, the action adventure in this film is well done. In particular, the town escape sequence toward the end of the first act that really felt like a theme park ride. I really enjoyed the score by James Newton Howard that really captures the spirit of adventure and helps put you in that right frame of mind. Uh, however, the story is a bit repetitive in, in, in the sense that it's a standard adventure flick and doesn't really add anything different uh, within the genre, but I still find myself enjoying the ride. Um, I think the best way to put it is if you saw the trailer and it looked like you would be interested in it, then it's it's going to be exactly what you think it is. And if you don't like the trailer, then you're probably not going to like the movie. But where this movie falters is that it can you know become quite convoluted once we get uh, introduced to the su- supernatural aspect of the film with Edgar Ramirez's uh, character and his army. They don't really get a lot of screen time to shine and whenever they do they come across as kind of Davy Jones knockoffs they feel more like a distraction to the story rather than adding anything to it other than being big physical foes for Emily Blunt and The Rock to fight Uh, also as hinted at earlier uh, the pacing of the movie can sometimes suffer a bit most of this comes from the repetitive plot points we've seen multiple times in the movie and others or just lulls in the film itself where the action takes a back seat um if i had if this movie had been tightened up a little bit more i could see where you know this could have have gotten a higher grade from me uh another nitpick uh while most of the vfx are pretty good um sometimes it could be a bit wonky and i could you know tell it was a vfx shot uh not anything major but worthwhile to note um all in all 
Jungle Cruise is going to end up in my top 10 of the or is Jungle Cruise going to be in my top 10 of the year? Probably not. But it's still a fun time at the theater uh, with enough summer blockbuster flavor that reminded me of films like The Mummy and Pirates of the Caribbean, um, even a little bit of Aquaman, although I think Aquaman is, is, is better than this. Um, while it doesn't reach the heights of those, uh, the chemistry between The Rock and Emily Bunt, it really carried me through it. Uh, I'm going to give Jungle Cruise a B. It's a pretty good time. Next up, we have Stillwater. This is the latest film from Matt Damon, and here he stars as oil rig roughneck Bill Baker, who travels to France to visit his estranged daughter who is in prison for a murder she claims she didn't commit. While there, he builds a life for himself and makes it his personal mission to exonerate her. Matt Damon is one of my favorite actors working today. What else is there to really say about him that hasn't already been said? He's just, he's a great actor. Stillwater is directed by Tom McCarthy, who's best known for directing the Best Picture winner Spotlight, uh, but it has also directed a little film not many people have seen, uh, The Station Agent, that happens to be one of my favorite, what I call, sleeper movies. Um, going into this film from the trailer, I expected something more along the lines of a realistic Taken, um, but what I got instead was a combination of a realistic Taken, a romantic drama, and Prisoners. If that sounded like a weird combination, I would honestly tend to agree. But this movie, it it really worked for me. First off, Matt Damon is, is terrific. He's one of the finest, uh, he gives one of the finest performances uh, as I've seen him do, as he really becomes this character, Bill Baker, by perfectly embodying himself in all three acts of this film, whether it's playing, you know, the semi sort of romantic lead a father desperately trying to reconnect with his daughter while also trying to prove her innocence or a father figure trying to make up for the feelings of the of his past um he proves himself able and capable of juggling all three phases of the film uh, speaking of good performances abigail breslin is really great here she conveys all the complex emotions of her character by capturing them with this very raw performance same with the young actress um i'm gonna butcher her name lilo uh savad um who plays maya who gives one of the sweetest and most heartbreaking performances i've seen from a kid or child actor since jojo rabbit she is absolutely incredible uh where this film might lose people is I've mentioned it, but it's it's third act structure, or it's three act structure. Um, the middle of the film really takes a detour from the main plot of the film, and whether you enjoy that or not may hinder uh, your overall grade or enjoyment of the movie. For me, I was I was alone for the ride. Uh, it really explored the real heart of the film and the themes, themes like second chances and making up for failings of the past. It's thematically ju- it's a th- the, that thematically juicy center that really in- had me enjoying the slice of life that is the middle portion of the film. Um, the third act shift of things uh, really shifts away from that, but it also explores the themes of, of lies and how they don't only affect you, but all those around you and the impact and importance of choices. Uh, all the themes and the story elements are handled wonderfully by director uh, Tom McCarthy, who juggles this plot mixture that shouldn't work with ease. Uh, the ending is, in particular is very bold. I admired the ballsy choice, and it really gave the weight 
you know, to the story looking back with, you know, which means it'll probably be pretty rewatchable for me. Um, my only real negative I have about this movie is, once again, it's the pacing. The shift in the story focus really slows up the momentum of the film and gave it a bit of a whiplash. But again, the middle half of the movie is what I like the most. So while I can see some people not really enjoying this film, I really quite liked it a lot. It's got excellent performances, thought-provoking themes, and an ending that really felt ballsy when compared to other films like this. I'm going to give Stillwater an A. Next up, we have The Green Knight. This is based off the poem The Green Knight. The Green Knight follows Dave Patel as King Arthur's headstrong yet unknightly nephew who embarks on a daring quest to confront the Green Knight after landing a blow to the knight one year prior. Risking, ri risking his head, he must set out on this quest to prove himself a knight before his family and court. Uh, A24 is, is a production studio that is really hit and miss with me. Some movies I find to be exceptional films with thought-provoking themes. Other I find to be nothing more than just being weird film school art films directed by people whose professors didn't tell them often enough that you actually have to need or you know, want compelling characters to move the plot forward and not just fall back on visual storytelling to cover up for the lack of story depth you're working with. Um, King Arthur and stuff surrounding that legend has never really been done well, in my opinion. Uh, keeping in mind, I have not seen 1981's Excalibur, which I know some people love. But from the first trailer I saw, The Green Knight seemed different. Uh, it felt super atmospheric and looked visually stunning, and it just it looked right up my alley. Um, it was taking a more serious approach to the legend and poem and presenting it in that A24 style of film. Again, something that is hit and miss with me. Uh, what I got with The Green Knight was something I enjoyed, but not something that I loved. Um, from a visual standpoint, the, f the movie is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, Andrew Droz uh, Palomiro, who really just makes every single image from the film striking with a beautiful, deep, and rich color. Like it, it's gorgeous to look at. The performance by Dave or Dev Patel is 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 great as he largely carries chunks of this movie by himself, and commands the screen with a leading man presence. The themes this movie explores of one man's journey to prove him his his self worth and to gain his courage is well done, but ultimately this movie is about one question: Is it better to live the life? as a dishonorable man or die a man with courage selflessness honor and strength that's this movie's strong suit how it explores the nature of that question and ultimately how it answers it unfortunately how we get there can be a drag uh, this movie has a pace to it and by that I mean it, it really moves at a crawl that's not to say that I didn't, it didn't fully work for me as it put me directly in the mood it was trying to convey, but it's really going to be a challenge for me to watch this film again. This movie is clearly trying to be analyzed for those who love digging into movies like this, but I feel as if 
you know, I got everything I could have out of the first viewing and what it was trying to do by being a story of a spoiled child who must find his courage to become an adult. The pace of this movie helps with the first viewing, but I think it will hurt it upon rewatches and will feel about 22 minutes too long. Uh, another nitpick I have is that the movie is quite dark, and I don't mean like dark thematically, I mean it's literally dark. Maybe it was the theater I saw it in, but I had trouble seeing the movie at times uh, with how it was, you know, how it decided to use light, and some parts were were quite the struggle. Um, well, I do find that I really enjoyed the movie overall. I think it's, and, and I think it's exceptionally well crafted. I don't think I'll ever revisit it in the future. While the themes are compelling and there's some stuff in there that is rich thematically. It didn't move me enough at an emotional level to get me over the hump to enjoying it beyond that. I'm going to give The Green Knight a B. And our final movie this week is The Suicide Squad. This is, of course, the follow-up to 2016's Suicide Squad. And much like last time, the government recruits and sends a group of Z-list supervillains, minus Harley Quinn, like Bloodsport, Peacemaker, King Shark, Polka Dot Man, and others to the highly dangerous and remote island of Corta Maltese. When there, they must trek through a dangerous jungle on the search and destroy mission with only Colonel Rick Flagg on the ground to keep them in check and the threat of Amanda Waller blowing them up if they misbehave. <clears throat> so, while the first Suicide Squad was a huge financial success, it grossed like $746 million worldwide, it actually became an Oscar winner for uh, best, best Makeup, uh, it was a disaster critically, rocking like a 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, unpopular opinion, but while I, I do find that movie to be a mess, I still enjoy it. It's a guilty pleasure. That's, you know, due to the characters, though. Like... I love the characters of Deadshot, Harley Quinn, Rick Flagg, Boomerang, and Diablo. And yes, I even like Jared Leto's Joker. Um, the story, on the other hand, was a heavily and poorly edited mess. Uh, in recent years, there's been like a fan push uh, movement, much to much similar to how Zack Snyder's Justice League got a uh, push for David Ayer's version of the movie that was made before the heavy reshoots, and maybe one day we'll get it, and I hope we do. A sequel has been rumored for years. Uh, I even remember at one point hearing Mel Gibson was in talks to direct, uh, and so was Warrior and the Wayback director Gavin O'Connor, uh, with the story ideas floating around, like Death, the, the squad taking on Deathstroke or Black Adam, but nothing would ever come of that. It wasn't until James, Gunn fire, James Gunn's firing from Disney, which he would eventually get uh, hired back, thankfully, um, that he would be given carte blanche to do whatever he wanted to do with DC Warner Brothers. Even Superman was on the table. And he decided to take on the Suicide Squad. Uh, to me, there's no better match for this franchise. James Gunn's sensibilities of taking wacky characters and making them relatable and grounded in humanity despite the wacky surroundings is something we've seen him do before. And I think perfectly and exceptionally so 
with Guardians of the Galaxy, which is still my favorite uh, Marvel film and franchise. He's also shown in the past that, you know, with his past work, that he's not afraid to go edgy with dark humor and graphic violence with movies like Super and Slither. To me, this this made him be the perfect fit for the Suicide Squad. And if I can brag a little, I couldn't be more right. On my first viewing, I really liked the Suicide Squad. But over the past few days, I just haven't been able to get the film out of my head. And on the second viewing, I realized not only did I really like this movie, but I love this movie. It's everything I could have wanted and more. It's the perfect blend of this uh, grindhouse style, like level violence and absurdity. And I mean, this movie's wacky, y'all. It's wacky. Uh, The humor, and above all else, at the center of it, it's all you know. It's 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 just it gets better with the second viewing. It really does. Um, That's what makes this movie. It's the heart and center about this group of misfits being forced to come together. And some members realizing that even though they've been told by society that they are worthless, they prove otherwise. And that even though they are the lowest of the low, they still have a destiny. And that's really the message of the movie that grounds this, that grounds it and separates it from the original. You know, speaking of separating itself from the original, the handcuffs are taken off with this film regarding the rating. The R rating allows for more visual action sequences that pack plenty of over-the-top violence. You know, James Gunn has always shot great action sequences, and here it's no different. The opening uh, on the beach is huge in scale and shocking in just how impactful it is. It feels like a war film. The Harley Quinn escape sequence is certainly, you know, her best action sequences and surpasses anything she's done in the past. And one knockdown drag out fight sequence between two characters that I won't spoil that has a lingering shot of a reflection in the helmet while the fight is going on. It just had me glued to this to, to my seat. What had me coming out of my seat though was the humor. This movie had a direct line to my funny bone. It's dark, it's gross and shocking, but it never it's never tasteless, I thought. Uh, it always it also it never, it never takes away from the uh, from the dramatic scenes, but rather it adds to them when they occur because we see them bonding and the comedy happening, and then later we see other stuff happening that's more serious and more dire, and it adds to it. And to no surprise, the characters in this film, and there are a ton of them, all of them shine. I still can't decide which one is my favorite. I love Rick Flagg, Bloodsport, Polka Dot Man, Harley Quinn, King Shark, King Shark Peacemaker, Ratcatcher 2, Boomerang, and Weasel. Uh, they are all just fantastic. Uh, one of my favorite things about this movie is, is, is how James Gunn can bring the entire ensemble together and make them all feel fleshed out in a single frame with no dialogue. He can convey an entire feeling and backstory from the characters that make them relatable and human, despite you know some of them being scumbags, like terrible people. Uh, not all the praise goes to James Gunn, though, as every great dancer needs a great dance partner, and the actors do their part. All of them take these characters and make them their own with excellent performances. The one thing I will say, if you watch this movie, um, and the marketing warns you, don't get attached because these characters can all go at any time. And if you, you're like me, 
then your heart will break when some of these characters get taken out. Um, of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the soundtrack. I think it's awesome. Every song choice has a purpose and isn't just picked because, hey, cool, catchy song. No, it, it fits the moment and it fits the characters that it's used for. And it's used and sets the tone for the entire sequence. I really love the use of music in here. But while I do love this movie, it's not perfect. No movie is. Um, there's a little subplot towards the end of the first act that kind of bleeds into the beginning of the second act that felt repetitive for me, as if he had already seen the character growth in a previous movie that this is focused on. It wasn't that the scene was badly put together or a bad, bad sequence. It just took away from the pace of the film um, that I felt was already rolling from frame one. It kind of slowed it down a bit. I also found the character Steve uh, Eggy, Edgy plays uh, to be very annoying um, and was just a surrogate for the audience. He just reacted to things in a way that I felt like was telling the audience how they should feel. And after a while, it just got very, very old. I, I, I didn't like it. And lastly, I wasn't a huge fan of the rebel plotline that went uh, on and how certain characters reacted to that. Uh, it's very unconsequential to the plot overall. Um, I have more of a thought on that, but it's something in particular that bugs me about it. That would be a spoiler if I share my thoughts on it, so I'll just keep it at that. Um, but, guys, I love this movie. From the way that it tells a story in an unconventional way, the way that James Gunn, uh, James Gunn captures the action, the comedy, the story... Uh, to the performances, to the visual style, this movie, it blew away my expectations. It's not perfect, no movie is, but the message of never letting society tell you what you are and embracing everything about yourself is something that really resonated with me. Um, I'm going to give The Suicide Squad an A+. Yes, it has issues, but it affected me emotionally on a level that I was not expecting fully. This is a special movie. It really is. It's, it's a terrific movie. Um, but that is it for this week's show and wraps up our, uh, our reviews. Um, my movie of the week is Suicide Squad, obviously, so check that out. I'll be back next week with more reviews. But until then, be sure to hit that subscribe button, leave a comment, rate us, and while you're at it, give us a follow over on Instagram and TikTok at Ben Davis Movie Podcast so you guys can stay up to date with all the latest info or, you know, reviews that drop or uh, series uh, episodes that drop, movie breakdowns, all that stuff. But anyways, guys, until next time, stay classy.